Well, good morning. It's great to be with other hearty Minnesota folk. I found it kind of funny, actually, this morning. I uh, was looking on Facebook, and I saw this news reporter. This is not a joke. This is real. A news reporter says, uh, beware um, frightening weather conditions. And uh, this was a news reporter in Florida, and he was warning the people of Florida that they're going to be experiencing 50-degree weather and be careful and put on layers because it's going to be cold out. And I would just would love to invite that Florida news anchor to be with us this morning in church to see all these people in church. And, uh, you know, I love being in Minnesota. It's fun being able to be here. As Pastor Kirby said, my name is Micah, and a great big thank you to you and to your lead pastor and his wife and family to allowing us to come and be here. Um, there's really no greater investment than investing into the kingdom of God and investing into missions, investing into people. And I love the heartbeat of this church, which is to connect with God, connect with each other, and to connect uh, with those around the world that, that don't know. And so uh, just a little bit about me. Uh, I brought some pictures along with. Uh, the first picture I brought is with my wife. Uh, I don't know how I, I landed Steph, but I did. Uh, I, something right happened in my life, and I got her. I, we met at North Central University which is a university in downtown Minneapolis. Anybody ever heard of North Central before by a show of hands? You've heard of that? Okay. Um, so we met there, and uh, I, I met her, and I, it was love at first sight for me, but I kind of thought there was no way I'd ever end up dating her. She was kind of out of my league. She worked at the registrar's office, and uh, when I left the office, I thought to myself, you know what? Because she works at the school, she probably graduated from here. She's working now at the university as an alum, so there's no chance you know, that she didn't go throughout college and didn't get swiped up and didn't get married. Well, I found out we had two classes with her uh, that semester, and it was game over from there. I got to work my magic a little bit. In fact, one of the first things I did to break the ice was I asked her to work out with me. I said, hey, I love to work out. Would you want to go to the North Central gym? I'll put you through a workout. What do you say? And she was like, sure, no problem. Let's go. And I was like, okay, this is my chance to kind of impress this girl a little bit. And uh, she gets in the gym and she says, well, what are we working out today? And I said, well, we're going to do legs. I'm going to put you through a leg workout. She's like, great. I, you know, I was a volleyball player in high school and this shouldn't be a problem. And I've never worked out with a girl before. I've only worked out with other guys, okay? The guys that grunt and scream in the weight room and they feel big about them. They feel good about themselves. That's who I'm used to working out with. And so uh, the very first workout I took her through were lunges. If you don't know what lunges are, I did a barbell lunge versus uh, dumbbells, so it's a bar. And I was thinking to myself, how much weight do I put on for a girl? I've never worked out with a girl before. So I throw on about 100 pounds of weight on this bar and thinking to myself, well, I usually warm up with this amount of weight. This shouldn't be that big of a deal for her. <laughs> and uh, the very first time, uh, I, t I tell her before she goes, you should be feeling it mostly in your quadriceps. You'll feel a little bit in your hamstring. And uh, if you're doing that, you're doing good form. She's like, okay, I got this, no problem. So the very first time she goes down with the first step, I hear her go, ah. And then she comes back up and she does it again. And she goes, ah. And I say, you're doing a good job. You're feeling it in the right spots. Way to go. Keep it up. Well, what I didn't know is uh, she actually, on those very first lunges, blew both of her hamstrings. I blew them both out. And uh, she finished the leg workout because she I wanted to kind of impress me a little bit, like she could do it. 
She was writhing in pain the whole leg workout that I put her through. The very next day in school, uh, she's walking to class, and there's a flight of stairs she has to walk down. <laughs> she ends up, her legs give out walking down the stairs, and she falls down the whole flight of stairs at North Central because I blew her hamstrings out. You guys, if the Aspen, uh, you might be a single dude in the backpack there. If there's any single dudes, if you ever want to know how to get a girl to marry you, just blow her hamstrings out. Ask her to marry you a couple months later, and it will work out for you. But she said yes, and uh, we have a little baby. The next picture up there, that's Everly. Uh, that's our daughter, Everly, there. And my wife looked at me. She goes, Micah, she goes, I need to get ready to go to church. I left some clothes out. Would you dress our baby this morning and get her ready for church? Some mom's laughing in the back because she knows what's up. But So I dress my baby. I bring her to church, and... When I bring her inside church, the moms are looking at me weird because I'm carrying my baby. And they're like, Micah, did you dress your daughter this morning? I said, yeah, I did. What's the big deal? She looks great, doesn't she? She goes, Micah, I, I have to tell you something. You, what you want to do is you want to put on the onesie first, and then you want to put on the pants. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a man. I get up in the morning, I put my pants on, and then I put my shirt on. It's not that hard. Like, how hard is it to dress a baby? Well, supposedly there's ways to dressing your children, and I'm learning it. I'm trying to, I'm figuring it out. And so I'm a new father. Uh, this is an updated picture of our family here. Everly there is quite bigger now. She's two and a half, and uh, she's a spunky little girl. And that's my son. A lot of people, when they look at that picture, they go, oh, cute. You know, you got a year, a year old son there, too. That looks great. And uh, I bring my son in public just last week. A lady goes, oh, you know, how old's your boy? Is he, is he a year, year now? And I said, no, you know, he's five months old. And in that picture, he's two months old. He's in the 90th percentile. He's a big baby. Okay, he's a big boy. He loves to eat. He, 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 he's, he just, he's a big guy, all right? And so, uh, but that's my family. And uh, we get to travel literally the country and how we run our ministry is we were, I was a full-time youth pastor at Cedar Valley Church in Bloomington. My wife was a worship pastor. And uh, God called us to take a step of faith. Uh, we thought we'd end up at one place we didn't. And through a series of events, we've just kind of stolen the prayer that Billy Graham used to pray. Billy Graham used to pray a prayer. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. God, I'll be whoever you want me to be. And we've stolen that prayer. And how many of you know if you're willing to pray that prayer, that's a dangerous prayer to pray. I'll go wherever you want me to go, and I'll be whoever you want me to be. That's a dangerous prayer and to ask of God. And so literally everywhere we go, we don't call pastors. We don't email leaders saying, hey, we'd love to come speak at your event or speak at your church sometime. We don't do that. All we do is we pray, we fast, we seek God, and say, would you open up the doors that we're supposed to be? So for us being able to be here today in Bemidji with you on one of the coldest days of the year, we see it as God uh, allowing in us uh, to be here and order the steps. It's my honor and my privilege today to stand for those who maybe don't have a voice or couldn't be here to speak, to stand for those today who've sacrificed family, comfort, the confines of America, the access that we have to so many things, our Walmarts, our Targets, our, our, our food chains that we have, to go live overseas. Some of these people, missionaries, who've taken up the call to follow Jesus wherever they want them to go, to sacrifice, to take their kids with them on the journey, to have to learn a new language, learn a new culture, learn the dialect, study, all these kinds of things. It's my honor to be able to be here today and be a voice for those people who've gone. Unfortunately, if you've lived long enough or you're 
uh, able to understand what's going on in the world, you know that the world has always been dark. It's not been a surprising thing. It's not a big surprise for us to know that there's evil that exists in the world. The whole reason being wise because of the original sin. God making man in his image, bringing his life upon him. God telling man not to eat of a certain tree. Man doing what God said not to do. And then now all of a sudden sin entering in the world. It's why we have cancer today. It's why we have disease. It's why we have poverty. It's why we have all these things going on in the world. I have had the privilege to travel overseas to meet with different leaders, meet with different pastors. I've stared African church planner pastors who have had death threats on their life by the Muslim uh, leaders, by imams, by different people looking to wipe them out. I have watched people as they have literally, uh, the water they drink is not clean water, but the water they drink is brown. It's the same water that animals wash in. I have met people who have uh, uh, carried on waterborne diseases. I've uh, been overseas where uh, I've been in Thailand where I've watched middle-aged European businessmen buy girls under the age of 10 as their slaves for the week to kind of do whatever they want to do. I've watched as young girls um, plop grapes into into these guys' mouths and watch horrific things of trafficking that exists in our world today. It doesn't just exist in our world and around the countries. It exists right here in our backyard, right on our interstate highways. My sister, who worked at the Mall of America, was attempted to be trafficked by a guy, attempted to be lured away from her job, and attempted to uh, be kidnapped and be sent overseas or sent wherever to be utilized, used, and abused. These injustices exist in our world today. Not only that, but my sister, who talks about an experience going to Haiti, where when she was in Haiti, she would walk the streets, and parents couldn't afford their babies, so what they do is they leave them on the side of the road, or they put their babies in dumpsters, or put their babies in different places, because they couldn't provide and take care of their kids. They have orphanages workers who will go and scour the city, look for babies, bring them into their orphanages, and as my sister would describe to you, she would walk down the aisle of these orphanages, where hundreds of babies lay on steel uh, uh, cribs, And my sister explained as she would walk down the aisle, babies would throw up their hands and scream because they would hear the footsteps of somebody walking just waiting to be held. These these injustices of of the poor, these injustices of the traffic, these injustices of the orphans, they exist in our world today. And God has something to say about it. God has something to speak into about it. And the same solution that Jesus gave over 2,000 years ago is the same solution that still exists today. Our text today that we're going to be looking at is found in Luke chapter 9. And there are biblical principles that exist through the life of and ministry of Christ. There are things that we're going to examine at and look at today that still applies for our teaching and where we are going today in regards to missions. It is one of the greatest privileges in the entire planet to know your reason for your existence, to know why you were put on this earth. And it's to know God and to make God known. It's for God to know you and you to know him. It's to be in relationship with him. It's to encounter him, to encounter his presence. It's to know him and to know his character. It's to know why he came. But it's more than just that. It's to be sent out by God and to be utilized by God. One of the greatest privileges is saying yes to him, to obeying him, to following him, and knowing that you are not an accident. It does not matter your background, your story, but God and his purposes and his plans for your life is specifically for you. Ephesians 2 said we are God's masterpiece, created for good works that he prepared in advance for you, you specifically, to walk in. And in Luke chapter 9, you see Jesus sends out the apostles. He sends them out with power, and he sends them out with authority. To do what? He sends them out, it says he 
he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Jesus has said, disciples, you've been with me for a little while now. Now it's time to start releasing you to do ministry. You see, the point of following Jesus is not just to say you're a follower of Jesus. The end goal of following Jesus is to be sent. It's to be sent out. There's a commissioning involved. Jesus has been been with the disciples and says, now it's time. Now's a good time. I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to give you my authority. He sends them out to do ministry. After some verses down, you end up getting to verse 10 where it says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Time out. Can you imagine being one of these disciples, going out and doing ministry, having the power and the authority that Christ imparted to these disciples? And by the way, that same power and that same authority he empowered to these ordinary disciples, he gives to you and I. When we've been found by Jesus, we've been bought by Jesus. He doesn't just buy you back and redeem you and sanctify you and save you, but he also gives you his empowerment and his power and his authority to do the same things. He equips us in that way. And can you imagine being a disciple and saying, Jesus, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe what happened this last week when we were sent out to do ministry. Peter walked by this dude, saw that he was lame, and said, in Jesus' name, get up and walk. Jesus, you won't believe the demons that we saw cast out of this man. Can you imagine the highlight reel of ministry that these disciples are doing? Jesus, knowing full well, being fully God, fully man, it says, then he took with them, and they withdrew to themselves to a town called Bethsaida. Jesus said, okay, this is great. I love hearing the report. Great job. Let's go withdraw. Could it be that the intention of withdrawing to a town of Bethsaida was to get away and maybe reminisce, maybe rest from a missionary journey, maybe to have some time for themselves as a, as a group of disciples and maybe talk more about what the journey was like and what ministry was like operating with that power and the authority? And then it says this in verse 11, But the crowds learned about it and followed him. And Jesus says, it says, He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God And healed those who needed healing. Jesus looks at his disciples and says, we're going to withdraw. We're going to get away. And the minute they show up to Bethsaida, a crowd is already waiting for them. Can you imagine the expectation the disciples had? Oh, we're going to withdraw with Jesus. We've withdrawn with him before. We know what this is like. Maybe we get some rest. And the minute they show up, any expectation of withdrawing gets completely thrown out the window because a crowd awaits these people on the shore and the arrival of Jesus and the apostles. And know what I love about Jesus is Jesus right here demonstrates what he was about and what he came to do. Jesus could have looked at his disciples and said, oh, great. I wanted to withdraw. That was our point of leaving this place. Now all these people are here. But no, it says he welcomed them and he preached to them and he healed all those who needed healing. Two things that marked the ministry of Jesus that still marks the church today is preaching the word of God, preaching the kingdom of God, and healing all who, those who needed healing. Jesus demonstrates his compassion. Jesus demonstrates his nature as a preacher, but also as a healer. And I say all that to say this. When we hear a message on missions, on missions specifically, or we hear these kinds of messages, it can be like, how in the world can I focus on somebody else when I got things going on in my own life? How in the world can I ever think about making a difference or God using me when I got my own things going on in my marriage? I got, I'm trying to raise these kids by myself. I'm a single mom. I just went through a divorce. My mom just got cancer. All these different kinds of things. If you are in the house today, you need to understand this. The same God who is full of compassion, the same God who is full of a desire to preach and for people to know is the same God that still desires to meet with you today. He desires to demonstrate his compassion, his power of healing, and his hope within those who may have walked in feeling hopeless. Why? Because it's who he is. 
And then it says in verse 12, late in the afternoon, I love the apostles. It says, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. Do you realize that what we are preaching about today and the message I'm sharing with you today, do you realize that this story right here, the feeding of the 5,000, this along with the cross and the resurrection are the only three things that exist in all four Gospels. In other words, every single Gospel writer found it of the utmost importance to document this story right here to tell you and I because it was one of the most powerful miracles of Jesus' ministry. Not only that, but the miracle in the wilderness when the Israelites were fed manna from heaven by God and God was the provider, Jesus the Messiah came here to demonstrate something similar to these people right here and right now. The disciples look at Jesus. Jesus, hey, look, don't you remember we were just on this missionary journey? Remember we were telling you all that's done? We're kind of tired now. Remember when we came to withdraw, but all these people are here? Hey, Jesus, we got a good idea. We're in a remote place here. There's not a lot of food. Let's send these people away. Let's get them on their way so they can go get food. And then maybe we might, we might be able to get some rest here and do what we came to do. And I love Jesus' response because this response right here that he tells them is the same response he looks at with you and I. Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. I love this reply. Hey, Jesus, let's send them on their way. There's no food here. We're in a remote place. Jesus looks at them and says, you do something about it. You see a problem? You see a need? You understand there's no food here? You give them something to eat. Can you imagine the disciples? Uh, what? We don't have any food. I guess we could go into some towns and buy food. No, they couldn't have gone into towns and buy food. They didn't have all this money. Maybe they could have tapped on a fish and gold coins would spit out of it and they'd go pay for it that way. I don't know. But can you imagine that Jesus saying, you do something about it? In other words, this. You see a need in our country today? You see a need in our world today? We can either be vocalizers about a problem and never bring about a solution, or we can do what Jesus said and take his words to heart when he says, you do something about it. The reason why we give to kingdom builders here as a church, the reason why we're about his kingdom, is these very words right here when Jesus says, you give them something to eat. Why we give to missions, why we give to kingdom builders is because Jesus commanded it, Jesus desired it, Jesus wanted it, and he's teaching his disciples here a lesson and something that you and I can learn too. There was a man by the name of Ralph Harris in 1945, growing up in the World War II era. A lot of you, some of you remember those times and remember what was happening in our country. Vehicles were being purchased and utilized for the war. Vehicles were a mean as a, a sign of destruction. There was actually a lack of vehicles in the economy for people to buy because a lot of the resources in America in the 1940s were being used to designate for the war. So young kids growing up in a time of war, Young kids growing up in a time of chaos, isn't it funny that God does sometimes does his greatest work in the greatest turmoil? Sometimes God will do his greatest moving and his greatest work in the midst of our chaos. But in 1945, a man by the name of Ralph Harris had a dream that God put on his heart that one day the young people of America, the teenagers of America, will be utilized by God to make a difference in our country and around the world. You want to know what that dream was? God spoke to Ralph's heart to start a missions movement for young people to give to something called Speed the Light in 1945. It was a dream of him to see $100,000 in the young people of America to give to missions so that missionaries who were sent out all over the world might bring about the greatest message and they would buy tools, instruments, vehicles, planes, and so on and so forth. 
Ralph went to his boss, the superintendent of the Assemblies of God, and said, hey, what do you think about the young people making a difference in America? God spoke to me. We're going to go after $100,000 in 1946. Superintendent looks at Ralph Harris and says, you must be crazy. $100,000? you got to be kidding me. We're in the middle of a war. Resources are short. And you're telling me you want to buy a vehicle for a missionary? Good luck. That year, over $112,000 came in the first year ever to missions. The very first vehicle that was ever purchased was a plane that was utilized to bring about the gospel into Liberia. Planes were a sign of destruction, and this was a plane that was not a sign of destruction. It was a sign of life. Every time the people of Liberia saw this plane flying in, they rejoiced and they got hopeful because the gospel was going forth into Liberia. And who funded it? The teenagers in America funded this plane. This plane was utilized to bring about the greatest message, and ever since 1945 to this very present day, the teenagers in America and the pastors and churches of America, listen to this, have given over $300 million to make a difference for the gospel resourcing missionaries to be equipped. $300 million. Don't tell me God can't use the young people of America. Don't give me a different narrative of what God can do through the teenagers of this church and through the teenagers of the young people of America. God's best work is not done. God's best work is not behind us. God's best work is still in front of us. He still desires to birth dreams, visions, and there's a reason why we give to kingdom builders so that vehicles and different things like that can be utilized to bring about the gospel in the uttermost parts of the world. Jesus said, you feed them. And now young people are hearing that response and doing something about it today. Not only that, they answered, Jesus, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish unless we go and Buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. In other words, 15,000 women, children, and men were more than likely represented. Can you imagine the response? Jesus, you want us to buy all this food? Uh, We only got five loaves and two fish. Here you go. We really don't have. And know what I find that's funny? Is you and I, we're a lot like the disciples. When God tells us to do something or calls us to something, we love to look at what we don't have versus at what we do have. We love to examine with our own eyes, our own eyesight, our own things that we can see and make sense. We love to look at our bank accounts and say, yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'm not going to give. We like to look at the things around us and say, yeah, it doesn't really make sense to do that. Listen to me. When God calls you to do something, do it. When he calls you to step out in faith, do it. There's probably people in the room where God's called you to missions and you've yet to take up the call to be a missionary There may be people that God has spoken to you things and maybe you've kind of left it dormant or haven't really stepped into it. When God calls to you and speaks to you, step out in faith. The greatest reward is Jesus. It will always be Jesus. And you have that faith to step out. You watch it matched. Jesus wasn't looking for the disciples to give them what they didn't have. Jesus was just looking for them to give what they did have so that he could multiply it and give it to a whole bunch of people. The miracle is not in what you do have. The miracle is just giving what you do have, obeying him, and watch what he can do. Do you understand who gets the most glory out of this? It says when Jesus took the food and blessed it, he gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. You realize who's getting the glory in this? God. You realize who's a part of distributing the miracle? You and I. Every time you obey and every time you step out and give to missions or give to kingdom builders, you are stepping out in a work and an act of faith. It's beyond you. It's probably more than what you can see in your bank account or you name it. But every time you sow seeds of faith and you invest into the kingdom, it will always be multiplied. Instead of looking at what we don't have or maybe giving God our excuses, we're just called to give him what we have and to watch him multiply it. Well, what do you have in your hand? 
know what I love about the kingdom of God? Is it never factored age or intellectual ability. The kingdom of God never took those into account. The only thing God took into account is somebody willing to say, here am I, send me. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to make the equation fit. In fact, there's a young girl that just said, hey, God, uh, she felt like God challenged her to give her a certain amount to missions. Hey, God, I don't really have much, but know what I do have? I have a bow and arrow. I can hunt. Maybe I can use hunting to glorify God. I brought a video of a girl who dared to say, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to give? What's in my hand? Take a look of a video of this girl who took down a buck for missions. Go ahead and play the video. That video literally gets me every time because you can't tell me God doesn't care about missions and lost people. It's why he came. And this is why I love Speed the Light because of girls like her who did her say, God, what do you want me to do? I'll step out, believe, and dream to ask. My life was not meant for my purposes or my glory. You told me to feed someone, so I'm just going to go ahead and step out in faith and do it. I brought a picture of another girl. You can put up a picture of this next girl. Her name's Jade. Jade is a girl in my youth ministry, and she said, God, what do you want me to do? God put on her heart to give $2,000 to missions. She had four weeks to try to get $2,000. She didn't have a job. She didn't work. She made a donation page and decided to be a part of a run. Well, only about $150 had come in. The very next week, she was supposed to give the money, and she felt like God said $2,000. And she goes home upset. Her dad's looking at her. Just her and her brother went to church. Her mom and dad didn't go to church, come from a broken home. Her dad looks at her and says, honey, what's the matter? Why are you so upset? And she goes, dad, I felt like God told me to give $2,000 to missions. I'm only able to give $150. i am really discouraged. 
He goes, well, honey, where's, where's your donation link? Let me, let me see it. He gets her donation link. He throws it up on, her, on his Twitter, personal Twitter account. Says, hey, my daughter is trying to get $2,000 to help people. Would you guys help give? Within one hour, over $2,000 ended up coming in. As a youth pastor, what we didn't know at the time was this dad was a national poker player, and he traveled the country and go play, go play poker. And all of his gambling buddies were donating their money and their earnings to help get this girl give money to missions. God will use gambling money, he'll use booze and alcohol money to accomplish his purposes for his glory here on earth. Here's a picture of a next girl, of a girl by the name of Lydia. She's in seventh grade. She's sitting at youth convention two years ago in Minnesota. God speaks to this young girl who's in sixth grade. Lydia, I want you to give $1,000 to missions. Sixth grader, doesn't have a job, and uh, talks to her youth pastor, well, what can you do? And she goes, my family, we train horses. Maybe we could do something like that. She takes $400 of our hard-earned money that she saved up over the years of helping our family train horses. She takes that $400 and buys a pony. She says, I'm going to buy a pony, and I'm going to train it for a certain amount of months, and then I'm going to sell it for missions. It will be my missions pony. For months, she spends time training this, putting in hard work and effort. It comes time to sell it. She puts an ad out. Long period of time goes by. No one calls. No one asks to buy it. She's getting discouraged. She goes to her youth group. The girls in her small group say, Lydia, what's the matter? She goes, I trained for this. I spent $400 on this pony to train it, and no one's called to buy it. Her small group prays for her that this pony would sell. Two days go by. She gets a phone call from a guy, and he goes, hey, I noticed your pony's for sale. Say, I don't know if anyone's put in an offer yet, but I'd love to put in an offer. She goes, sure, what would you love to put in? He goes, I'd love to give you $2,500, dollars Would you be willing to take that offer? <laughs> she goes, yes, I'll take that offer. God told her to give 1000 She gave over $2,500. She took $400 from that money, and she's buying another pony to do the same thing again. Young people are being inspired by the heart of God, and now giving a thousand's too little to them. In fact, you have someone out of your church, this church right here, by the guy by the name of Will, that some of you guys know Will. This last year ended up giving over $3,100. In fact, he probably came up to some of you and asking if you'd sponsor him and help him. Will, the sky's the limit for you and your heart for missions and what God can do through you. The sky's the limit when you serve Christ and get to choose to follow him. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's great, I wrote a check, or that's great, I put something in the offering, and I get to help the young people, that's great. But you know what you don't get to hear? You never get to hear the stories, really, about how God's utilizing that money and making a difference around the world. I want to end with one story today. I was in Panama. We were doing local school assemblies in Panama. And this missionary, as we're doing school assemblies, has a local native doing the school assembly, because you can preach the gospel there. And at the end of his gospel message, in a room about this size, about 30 to 40 hands went up saying they wanted to receive Christ for the first time and follow him in this public school. This missionary looks over at me and he says, Micah, you see that sound system over there? You see what's going on with all these hands raised? I said, yeah. He said, we wouldn't be able to do this school assembly today if your students didn't pay for this sound system for all these kids could hear. Micah, you know the vehicle our students and you drove in today so we could come to this assembly? We wouldn't have been able to make it to this school had we not had a vehicle to drive and go to the utmost parts of our country to preach the gospel. All the students have been dismissed from the school assembly. There is one 15-year-old girl sitting in her chair right about over there, and she was 
being told by the teachers, it's time to go to class, you need to go to school now, it's time to get up and go. She couldn't stop crying. Some of our team members were around her praying for her. We were praying in English, she speaks Spanish. And we asked the interpreter, hey, what's the matter? What's going on with this girl? And this girl says, today I had plans of ending my life and committing suicide. Today was the day I was going to take my life. And we're like, why? What's going on? She said, I'm pregnant at the age of 15 years old. And I'm not just pregnant, but my dad got me pregnant. My dad abused me. He's been taking advantage of me. And I wanted to take my life because it wasn't worth my baby living. So I'd have to tell him that my baby's actually, the dad of my baby's actually my dad. And that day, that girl was saved physically. But not only that, she met Christ and gave her life to Christ. She got to meet a local missionary and got to meet the pastors in the area who were able there to be able to help this young girl and get her the help that she needs. This is why we give to kingdom builders. This is why we give to Speed Delight. This is why young people hear the voice of God and say, God, what do you want me to do? And this is how God is using our resources to impact people all around the world and those who've never heard the gospel before. For those who say following Jesus is boring, I wonder if you're following the right Jesus. For those who say, yeah, I'll just kind of go to church just to kind of go through the motions, I wonder if you've ever met Jesus. When you meet Jesus, you can't help but be transformed. When you meet his love and his grace, you can't help but do something about it. You can no longer just sit there and be a consumer, but God calls you out of your seat and calls you to be a contributor. Not what is in it for me, but God, how can I make a difference for those around the world and those right here in Bemidji? God has placed this church and raised this church up right here for this place, for such a time as this, to not only impact Bemidji, but to impact the world. In just a little bit, I'm going to pray. And before I pray, I just want to ask you a question. Are you actively playing a role in God's kingdom? Are you actively contributing in God's kingdom? Are you having a heart for your neighbors, a heart for the people that you work with, a heart for the single mom who can barely make it, a heart for those who may be struggling in a house down the road? Has God broken your heart? Have you encountered God? Do you know him? Because your life was more than just building a resume, building a retirement account, and then never being able to take anything with you. You were meant to spend it all and give it all and invest into the kingdom and allow God to work through you. If everyone could just bow their heads, close their eyes, no one looking around. This is a personal moment between you and God. But if you came into church today and you'd say, hey, Micah, I, I haven't been following Jesus. I've been far away from God. God doesn't probably even know me because I don't give a rip about him. You need to understand something. God came to come and get you. Not to be away from you, but to draw near to you. God came to give you strength, to come to empower you, to pour his spirit in you, to live with you every single day. And God wants to be in relationship with now, here, and forever. So if you're here and you're saying, Micah, I've been running from God, I'm not following him, or I've never followed him and I want to follow him, I just want you to put your hand up and say, yeah, that's me and I want to follow him again. I want to come back to him. Wherever you are, just put it up. No one looking around. Cool. Praise God. Anybody else? Love that. Cool. So cool. Awesome. The Bible says, essentially, the first step to being rescued is being heard. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, that you would be saved. God's called us to step out, to feed the hungry, to make a difference, to do something about it. And he's called us just to give him what we have and watch him multiply it. All of us can play a role in the kingdom because all of us have breath in our lungs. And God desires to empower you, to fill you. And so, God, even now, Lord, I just pray you'd begin to burn this church 
and their heart in a whole new way for people who are less fortunate or the needs around the world. God, you say those who are generous, they themselves will be refreshed. You say those who take care of the poor and minister to the poor, they themselves will be blessed. God, I thank you that it's a backwards kingdom, not the way the world does it, an upside-down way of doing it. God, of seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. I thank you, God, that you lead us into all truth, that you guide us and you're continually saving us every day. God, may we never grow apart from the gospel. May we never come to a spot where we don't need your mercy and grace every single day. Help us, God. Burden our hearts. And may this be the greatest year we've ever seen in this church for kingdom builders. And speed the light around the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite Pastor Jordan back up. God bless you guys. Thank you, Micah. So how can we respond? You know, we, we uh, had a, a Speed the Light rally last night um, at Buffalo Wild Wings. Um, there was uh, people from our church there and from First Assembly and, and youth kids there. And uh, we dreamed together about what to give. And, uh, and I don't know what, what uh, First Assembly put out, but, but we set a goal, the few of us that were there. And we're just believing for God to help us. To, you know, for, for years, just looking back, um, just seeing what uh, at least our two youth groups have given. It's just been a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. But last year, we just saw um, from both churches just an increase that was, I think, miraculous. And we want to see that same thing continue. Um, I was encouraged by that. So how can we respond to what we just heard? There's two things you can do. First and most importantly, what can you do? What's in your hand to give, to bless your neighbor, to reach out to those in your workplace, in your life, in your family, to impact them for God and to lead them to Christ. That is the most important thing you can do. What's the second thing you can do this morning? Um, we're going to give you an opportunity to give, um, to speed the light. Um, it's part of our kingdom builders, um, something that we're doing as, uh, for missions giving and, and for um, outreach as a church. Um, so if you want to do that, uh, make your checks out to Crossroads Church, and we'll make sure it gets to where it needs to go. And we're going to have a couple of students in the back um, and you can give uh, as you leave uh, this morning. Um, but besides that, if you raise your hand to respond, um, we want to connect with you. Um, we're going to have a, a prayer team up here um, afterwards. If you need prayer, um, I want you to meet with them uh, as we go. So would you, why don't you stand? And uh, Mike, you already prayed, but i I'd just like to pray over you as we dismiss. God, I pray that you would make us missional. God, that we would have a purpose that we would be compelled to reach out to those around us. God, I pray that if you've stirred in our hearts to give, that we'd be obedient to that and give. And if you've stirred in our hearts to do something for someone, that we wouldn't wait for another sign, that we would just be immediately obedient to you. And God bless us as we go. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.